What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. First pod of 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope everyone had a good New Year's Eve, New Year's Day holiday. Um, I know we got an episode after out after Christmas, but first pod of the new year feels good. Uh, hopefully 2024 is going to be a fruitful year for everybody, hopefully for the pod for sure. Um, got a Thursday turf talk coming at you guys today. <clears throat> still holding off on the regular pod because holiday schedule has still been kind of crazy for the both of us. One pot a week's kind of been just what we've been going with uh, for the time being. There's really not been much news on the uh, on the baseball front, on the on the NHL front, NBA front. Not only not much has really happened. Um, golf's pretty slow right now too. So I figured we'd see what the Thursday turf talks since football season's kind of really ramped up towards the end here with bowl games and the CFP semifinals already. You got the NFL playoff push going on right now. So keep it with football. But we are going to get a turn up the heat and an ice bath today. Bring back the regular cold seat pod tradition so i'll let brett kick us off with his first turn up the heat today first turn up the heat in about a month probably i feel like since we've yeah. done one um since we've been back for the holidays so yeah brett kick us off with the first uh turn up the heat of the new year yeah i first say that uh the nfl season has been crazy i think just with um all the injuries that we've had you know it seems like at least like it seems like 20 teams have had second and third stringers play quarterback at some point this year um, which has led to some crazy scenarios that we have this week that we'll discuss in terms of what teams can clinch. There's still five spots up for grabs out of 14. Um, I mean, this past week, the Ravens and Niners locked up. They each locked up a one seed, but outside of that, there's a ton to play for in both conferences um, in week 18, which we'll get to, like I said. And that also has effects on draft. When you look at records and strengths of schedule, a lot can fluctuate this week. I mean, you look at teams in the top 10, they can go up or down two spots, which is huge when you talk about, you know, zoning in on prospects and looking at guys that are reasonable for you and kind of who you want to put more attention towards. But draft focused hot take today um, is that the Bears, who have locked up the first pick from the Carolina Panthers uh, back last year on the draft trade, um, you know, that involved the Panthers going from nine to one and the Bears getting DJ Moore. Um, not a great trade looking back, but nonetheless, the Bears have the first overall pick in what's a loaded draft class. Um, my prediction is that the Bears are going to keep Justin Fields. They're going to roll with him, even though they can have their pick on who they want to be their future quarterback out of the draft. Um, I think they're going to keep Fields, trade back a couple spots in the draft, get a, a ton of capital, presumably, and then take uh, probably take Marvin Harrison Jr. You could... Um, you know, take an O-lineman, but Marvin Harrison would be the right pick. Uh, we're talking, you know, three or four probably without trading back too far. And then if he were to be gone somehow, and let's say he went at two by some stretch, then then maybe you could trade back more. But I think this is a, you know, golden opportunity for the Bears to really get a true jump start to what they're, where they're trying to go and what's going to be a tough division. I mean, the Lions have been good. They're only getting better. The Packers are going to only be getting better, and I think the Vikings may have a down year next year, but even then, they're getting better. So it's going to be tough for the Bears to win in that division, and I think they're going to have to do something quick um, you know, in the next year or two to hope to give them a chance to contend in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, so my hot take is that the Bears aren't going to take a quarterback and keep fields. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be an option, something that's something we're going to have to talk through. Um, I, I was even saying to Brett off the pod before we started, like, man, the Bears are going to be really fun this spring when we get really into the in the nitty-gritty. I know I've been in 
I've been in the wheels of the draft for about a month now. Uh, I know Brett's been holding off, obviously, with the Ravens, locking up the one seed. Um, but I mean, they're going to be really fun to talk about in, in the spring. Um, they've got a whole avenue, a million avenues they can pursue, um, kind of everything they can, they can kind of choose from. Um, truly a true zero and adventure book, the Bears are right now. Truly. Um, and I love it. I think uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I think I lean that they should just trade fields. But again, like there is a very good argument to be like he's been playing well the last couple of weeks. Um, I think this week's a big, big one for them. We'll talk about that because we'll get we only have one college game this week. So we will talk Bears a little bit more if we want to when we get to the to their game here in a minute. Um, but I will say on the on the NFC North, if you can pick up my drift of a guy we're about to talk about with this national championship game. If the Vikings can keep Michael Penix in purple, they might get a they might have a shot of that division next year. I'm just saying that guy throwing a Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, and the best receiver in football in Justin Jefferson. Come on, man! Second best receiver in football. Sorry, Tyreek's the best, but I mean, come on. Sorry, third best. Quentin Johnson's clearly the best. You don't need to have hands to play receiver. <laughs> All that matters is if he has to bowl touchdowns, brother. <laughs> no, um, no, second best receiver in football, one of the better rookie receivers this year, uh, and Jordan Addison is who's I think is a really nuanced route runner. Um, he fits perfectly next in that offense. I thought that was a great pick for them. Obviously, it was the four receivers that was one of the four that was left from the kind of the receiver run that happened from twenty to twenty three. But I thought Addison fit that offense the best, just from a. I mean, obviously, JSN would I think would have fit the best because I think he was. We always thought he was the best of the of the group, but. Addison, I thought, fit that offense of the best of kind of the next three um, with what he can do kind of in his routes and all that stuff. And he's clearly had a really good year. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him. I mean, and they've got a decent O-line. Like, they've got – I like um, O'Neal at right tackle. I mean, Christian Darius has a stud. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast this year. Um, they can easily get a center in round two, round three. It's a good center class. Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, Zach Frazier from West Virginia, uh, Powers Johnson from Oregon, and then – uh, Cedric Van Pran from Georgia, just a couple of names you'll, you'll hear us talk about here pretty soon in the next couple of months, or about, probably actually this this month. I think that's the second group we're going to get to. Um, but yeah, I would love to see them keep him in purple, um, get something going there. But kind of get back on track here. Uh, my hot take is that, uh, again, sticking with, um, call it, we're going with football here, um, sticking with the theme of the episode, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to stay at Michigan. Um, been a lot of smoke. I've, I've, Obviously, seen a lot of it because he's been talking about him going to the Chargers for a while now, and there's have they have reported interest, and I I don't doubt they have reported interest. I think they he's their number one candidate. I would bet money on it. Um, I just don't think he's going to leave college. I think um, I think we've seen this the last two years. He's interviewed with with teams before, um, and he you know hasn't taken the job. He's gone back to Michigan, so he's got the contract on the table at Michigan. Um, you know, we'll see kind of what happens with that. Obviously, it's been delayed another week. What his decision is going to be, but even then, I mean, he's going to they're going to play this Monday. NFL NFL playoffs will start the week after the championship game. Like, we, teams can't even interview until after the divisional round. So we're still two weeks out of three weeks out, really three weeks out of having interviews released. So, um, obviously Harbaugh's not going to you know not pick someone because they didn't interview him on time. Uh, yeah, teams got to follow the Rooney rule and all that stuff. And I think it would be it would just it wouldn't be in a team's best interest to just interview Harbaugh and then find find some minority head coach to interview in the college ranks. It's A, it's disingenuous. B, it's just it's not good process. Um you want to cast a and the Chargers have already said they're gonna cast a wide net. So um I do while I do think that he's their number one candidate, I don't think he's leaving college. I think his job is I won't say easy, but like 
his job gets so much harder in the NFL because what he college programs are, I won't say self-sustaining, but we've talked about it before. Like guys like Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh and even you know, Kirby Smart. Um, I would even argue Dabo Sweeney, despite the couple down years, like you get some really good freshman classes when you start. Uh, I mean, we've saw those guys, you know, those seniors that Jim Harbaugh started to recruit. That was his classes. I mean, they, those and Ed Hutchinson was there. Right. So those guys finally get to, you know, upperclassmen, junior, senior, um, and they kind of lead the way and they lead the underclassmen who come in, the freshmen, sophomores, and then they become upperclassmen and they lead the incoming freshmen. And it kind of just becomes this repeating cycle where a program becomes player led with coach oversight, which I think obviously there's a lot of coaching that goes on and mentorship and coaches developing young men when they come in as, as freshmen and sophomores. But like point being the, a lot of it's policed by the players, especially like in the locker room on the field. Right. And so you don't get to do that in the NFL. It's, you got to start over. You got to build a whole new culture. So I think, um, plus like, I mean, Jim, he gets to recruit and obviously he does a lot of that, but a lot of that's done for him. If he goes to the NFL, he's going to want to have some roster control and it's a whole nother beast. So I don't know. I just don't think Jim's leaving. The only thing, I think the only way he leaves is if the NCAA actually decides to levy some sort of suspense, like significant suspension for the recruiting violations. Because the, the precedent's been set with Pete Carroll that, like, the NFL, for lack of a better term, will harbor NCAA suspended guys for recruiting violations. Now, if he gets a suspension for the cheating thing, I don't know what the pro, what the protocol is there. Because the NFL had an article that came out that said on NFL, NFL.com that was like, hey, we're not going to harbor him. We're not going to give him a safe haven from that suspension, right? Because that's a competitive advantage thing. It's different than recruiting violations. I don't know what that's going to look like. There's been reports that they're not going to do that. There's been reports that they are going to do that. I don't know. So um, I think NCAA suspension is what would push Jim to leave. I don't really buy the argument that like, oh, he wants to be a winner. He wants to win a Super Bowl. Jim knows firsthand how, how that's not just – you don't just win a Super Bowl. You don't just show up and win a Super Bowl. He went to one against his brother, and it was – I mean they lost. So as Brett well knows. Um, so people talking about, oh, man, he sees his brother having all the success, blah, 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 like – Yo, he's going to accomplish everything he wants to at Michigan. I don't think that's the case. They haven't even won a national championship yet. Yeah, they won a playoff game yesterday or two days ago. But, like, they haven't won anything yet. And that's not to, like, diminish what Jim's done. He's done a phenomenal job taking that, raising that program from the grave. But um, that said, I don't think he's going to leave Michigan. He's a Michigan man through and through. Um, I think he's going to be there. Don't think he leaves. Thinks he takes the contract. So, uh, in a roundabout way, Jim Harbaugh not leaving the college ranks this offseason for the NFL. Yeah, I think it's – I it's so interesting to see how it goes, especially with the game, you know, this upcoming Monday that we'll talk about here in a second. But definitely one of the more um, intriguing storylines to watch is kind of what he decides to do and, you know, what teams end up do pushing for an interview pretty hard versus others that, you know, kind of back off. But definitely something to look look for and uh, keep an eye on if you uh, if you want to see what coaches are going where. So to wrap up our college football coverage on the Thursday turf talk. We have covered a hundred games so far. I'm 70 and 30 ready, 72 and 28. So through a hundred games, only two games difference. Brady's already clinched. Um, the NCAA college football records predictions, victory. Um, I guess you can say we have one game left. It is the national championship. In the 19th week of college football, 
the past two games this weekend were great. Um, you had the first game, the Rose Bowl, number four, Bama, number one, Michigan, came down to the wire. You know, some bad snaps kind of hindered uh, Alabama's offense on some drives and, you know, some sloppy play from Michigan. They still came out in the end with a win in overtime. You look at the second game in New Orleans, the two-seed Washington Huskies, three-seed Texas Longhorns. That was another great game. Uh, back and forth, Michael Penix went off. I mean, UT's defense, or secondary at least, couldn't do anything. And, I mean, their D-line, their front seven played really well, which we thought would be the case. Um, you know, Washington couldn't really get much going on the ground. But it was still a really good game. You know, Washington's running back, who has had a great past five games, didn't play great this game, averaging under three yards a carry, got hurt at the end where like at the last couple, like last three minutes when Washington was trying to run the clock out, they actually ran plays and didn't just kneel it. And Washington running back got hurt, which stopped the clock and gave UT time to go down the field with a minute left. Um, you know, they had a few shots at the end zone. Couldn't get it done. Um, you know, five seconds left, they ran their last play and just missed a touchdown there to win it and send them to the natty. So, with those two, I mean, great games, definitely easily the best pairing of semifinal games that we've had, just in terms of level of competition, um, how close they ended up being. Just great games, I think, that just further shows that the committee got it right, especially with Florida State losing by however many against Georgia. 60. Yeah, in the in the Citrus Bowl or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I thought, thought it was... A great weekend of football across the board as we're pretty much done outside the national championship. Um, you know, the, the uh, what do you want to New Year's Six Bowls? They were all pretty good outside of the Orange Bowl with Georgia and Florida State. Yeah. I mean, the Peach Bowl, Ole Miss, Penn State wasn't as close as I thought it would be. It was, it was close um, for what? Up two and a half quarters? Yeah. It was, it was close for a while and then Ole right. Miss blew it open. Um. I mean, bowl games are always weird nowadays. No one really cares about them if you're not in the playoff. A lot of guys just opt out or, you know, you don't really do much. Oregon blew out Liberty. Tennessee and Iowa was actually pretty good. Um, LSU game, I forget what uh, the Gasparilla Bowl, the LSU and um, Wisconsin game was really good. Notre Dame blew out Oregon State. Um, and Arizona beat Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl with no Dylan Gabriel. So, um Across the board, there were a lot of blowouts, but there were also a lot of really good games with those two semifinal games being um, both coming down to the wire. So looking at the final game of the year is number two, Washington, number one, Michigan. Side note, every time that one and two have faced off, um, which this will be the fifth time, the previous four times, the number two seed has won. Um, I saw that this week. I saw that. Yeah, I mean... Even before seeing that, I was kind of leaning in Washington because of how they looked. They just play much cleaner football. Um, they just have better athletes, I think. Um, so it should be a really fun game. That game is on January 8th at 630 Central. Michigan's fared by five, but I'm going with Washington. I think Washington, like I said, has the guys to get it done. Um, they have much better depth. Obviously, um, there's some big matchups to look for, which we'll highlight one in a second after you get to your pick. But I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it, it's the matchup I wanted going into the playoff once they released the final, you know, the top six seeds. I really wanted these two to face off in the final. Two teams that obviously never play each other. Um, they're, should be they're about to see yeah, a lot of they, each other pretty they, soon. They here. are, but, uh, <laughs> but 
but yeah, I'm 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 excited for this one. I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, back and forth offense, defense, and it's a good mix from both in terms of you know strengths versus weaknesses. So I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm going with Washington to win the national championship. Yeah, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit real quick, um, just on the on the CFP semifinal games. Um, I thought two teams that matched up really well with each other. Um, Bama's strengths playing against Michigan's strengths uh, for the most part. And then um, I thought the Texas offense versus the Washington defense was going to match it really, really nicely. Um, kind of the strength of that Washington defense being in the secondary with Shabar Muhammad kind of leading the way there. And they play, they played well in the secondary down the stretch. Um Took care of Troy Franklin pretty nicely in the championship game, pectoral title game. So that I mean, thought that matched up nicely. It was pretty clear that the biggest disadvantage in the of the entire two games was the Texas secondary versus the Washington receivers. Um, Washington has a legitimate NFL receiver core with Roma Dunze being a wide receiver one. I think by the end of the season, his rookie year, um, it's a really special player, which is crazy because he's going to be wide receiver three in this class because he's got two freaks ahead of him, um, a legitimate generational talent, Marvin Harrison Jr. and a guy who. I wouldn't throw the generational label on because I think it's starting around too much. But um, if you take Marv away, potentially the best receiver prospect since Mark Cooper um, in Malik Neighbors, depending on how you feel about him. So, um, yeah, Roman News is a freak. The guy, the guy's awesome. Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, um, really, really deep receiver room. Um, Westover had a great game. Their tight end. It was pretty. It was very clear to me that that Texas couldn't keep up on the back end, and they. Then they did good things offensively. I thought Sark called a bad game, like fr- frankly a, a poorly called game from Sark. Um, there were times, I mean, they they were ripping Washington for it felt like five six yards of carry at times, and then you get a first and ten and take a deep shot with one of the worst deep ball accuracy quarterbacks in the country. Like per the advanced metrics of the top twenty five, he was one of the worst you know, power five quarterbacks that throwing the deep ball just on an accurate. He's a Quinn's a super high. I mean, the epitome of a high variance player. I think I texted that to you um, in a group text. Like he is the epitome of a high variance player. He's got throws where he's like, man, like that's number one overall pick stuff. And then there's throws where it's like, man, that's UDFA stuff. You know what I mean? Like he's got that littered throughout his tape. That's kind of always been the, the thing with him. And, and we saw in the last play of the game, like, did he make a decent throw? Yeah, but like if he makes a if he makes a a throw that he has the potential to make, they they win the game and they go to the natty. He puts that ball back shoulder back shoulder on the pylon. Oh, Ad Mitchell's catching that ball because the corner can't get to it. You know what I mean? So he listen. He threw a good ball. That's a catchable ball. That's Ad catches it in his hands if he, if the if the DB doesn't make a literal perfect play. Goes over the back, reaches up. To, I mean. It, he couldn't have played it better as that from that DB. Wasn't DPI, hardly touched him. It was perfect. So um that's teach tape from that DB. Kept him, you know, kept him alive for the natty. So there's I mean, there's a really good play. Um and then yeah, I mean the Michigan, the Michigan Alabama game was um it was great. I, Michigan Michigan's defense really impressed me up front. Um and frankly, JJ McCarthy impressed me in the, in that in that last drive. He I, he looked terrible for the first, what, 50, 55 minutes of play. In that last five minutes of the game, he he turned it up. I mean, they went 75 yards pretty easily, and they didn't they didn't run the ball that much. So, um, Blake Corum's a dude. I know he's got a bunch of miles in his knees, but he's – how do you overlook what he can do on the football field with the ball in his hands? So, I know he's older back, but he's really, really, really talented. Um, 
Michigan offensive line dominated. So I, I'm curious to see, I mean, this matchup of Michigan versus Washington, two polar opposite teams to me. Um, I'll start with Michigan. They're a ground and pound smash mouth football team through and through. They, it, they, they start, they, they live and die by that offensive line uh, first and foremost. And in the, on the, on, on defense, they've got a really stout interior. Um, they, they've got arguably just as good of, of an interior as Texas does. Um, I know they don't have the big names that Texas did in Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, but the Michigan defense has been, I think, slept on all year, and that and they showed it in, in that Alabama game that they're legit. Um, people talking about they didn't play anybody, blah blah blah. They they stepped up against Alabama, especially when they needed to late in the game. Um, and then the to me the biggest difference is that what Michigan's going to do that Texas couldn't, they're going to present maybe the best secondary Washington's seen all year. I don't know if that's a I don't know I mean. Maybe that's hyperbole, but I don't I don't know if it is. They haven't seen a corner as good as Will Johnson. There's no corner that they've seen as good as Will Johnson. Um, and they haven't – I just don't think they've seen a complete secondary like Michigan has, right? I mean, I like Rod Moore, their safety. That's his, Is it Rod Moore is his name, right? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of safeties with the last name Moore in the draft last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, Rod, I like Rod Moore. He's a solid safety. Mike Sanistro. Um Kind of got exposed a little bit in the game, but again, I think really, really good slot player. Um, going to be, I think, critical for them, kind of keeping the ball, kind of at the sticks and 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 kind of at the sticks and short of the sticks. So um, then you go to the Washington side; I, they're an aired out football team. They are a beat you deep. We have better athletes than you do. Um, I mean, when you watch the All 22 tip. I mean, against Boise State, like, yeah, they had a good day game up front, but like, they didn't dominate Boise State at the line of scrimmage. They beat them. They beat them in the back end because, again, they they have a receiving core that nobody can kind of stand with, right? Like they don't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. because nobody does. And LSU's got two really good receivers, and Malik Neighbors and Brian, and Brian Thomas Jr. But like from a quarterback to a tight end to full receiver room, Washington's better than everybody in the country. So, um, very polar opposite teams. Um, I'm I'm so excited for this one. Um, I think Michigan wins. I think they cover the five. I say that because I think Michigan's going to dominate time of possession. That, to me, that's where this game's going to be won and lost. If Michigan can keep Michael Penix Jr. and those receivers off the field and they can dominate up front against a team that I th- I don't think is as physical, on I, I think the Washington defense is not nearly as good as the Alabama defense. And I don't know if that's – I think that's a fair thing to say. I think I'm taking the Bama defense over the over – the, a Nick Saban coach Bama defense over the Washington defense. If Michigan can once again dominate the line of scrimmage like they did against Alabama for four three quarters of that game in overtime, they didn't really do it for the third quarter and part of the fourth, but like first half, fourth quarter, overtime, they dominated the line of scrimmage. If they can dominate the line of scrimmage like they did against Alabama, I think they get a win. I think they dominate time of possession. They keep Penix and Penix and Washington off the field. And again, what's going to be intriguing to me because Penix was in his, I mean, balls and buckets the whole night. How does it look against a better secondary? Right, they're gonna Michigan's gonna present things that they that they just haven't seen before, right? Um, I'm this leads me to my popcorn matchup, our, our popcorn matchup for the week, um, and arguably the the second best popcorn matchup of the year because it's not it's not better than Marv versus this guy, but Washington receiver Roma Dunze versus Michigan corner Will Johnson. Um, I mean, this is this is what you want. This is best on best. Um, and I think this could be where the game is won and lost on the defense side of the ball for Michigan. Can they stop that guy? Can they stop Odunze? Because when they've needed it, when Washington needed it at times, 
the ball's going to one. Like, the ball is going to one, right? So how does Washington operate when they've got – because he's going to follow Rome, I think. How do they operate when you've maybe got a whole half of the field shut down? Can they work a half field read with with six DBs, right? I don't know. We haven't we have, they haven't really had to do that yet, and, and nobody has. You can't you can't plan to see a Will Johnson. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, this is gonna be epic, dude. This is gonna be an awesome game. I'm with you. This is the matchup I wanted. I wanted two unbeaten teams, two, the two teams that I thought were probably the two best teams. I know I picked Texas to win. I thought they had a good matchup for Washington. They almost did. This is the two teams I wanted to see though. This is the matchup I wanted. This offense versus the Michigan defense, and this Michigan offense versus the, I mean, the Washington Washington defense. Um, yeah, and it's gonna be awesome. The aesthetic's gonna be great. The maize and blue versus that Washington all white. Oh, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. Man, yeah, man, I'm I'm pumped. Um, it's gonna be a great game. I'm happy if either team wins. I don't really have a dog in the fight. Um, I just want to see a great game. I want to see Roman Will Johnson go at it. I want to see him beat each other. I want to see Rome. Shake him and beat him deeper, beat him on a dig, and I want to see, I want to see Will lock him up and maybe get a pick. Like I just want to see a great matchup between those two, like we did against Marvin Harrison Jr. and Will. And I want to see an overall great game, uh, clean football. And then, oh, also Michigan cleans up the turnovers and the special teams disaster class is putting it nicely. They win it. I think they win the game. They beat Alabama by two scores. So I think I think Michigan gets a win if they can clean that up too. But um, this is gonna be awesome. This is exactly what you want in a national championship game. It'll be better than last year's blowout. So that's all I'm really happy about is that we get a game that's gonna be competitive and a game with two great teams, two unbeaten teams. And we're gonna run, we're gonna get an unbeaten national championship champion this year. And we have a rematch of this game in Big Ten to play next year. So that's sick. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this across the board. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. A lot of different matchups too. Um like I said, that we will see, but we haven't seen. Um, and it starts with, like you said, Michigan's secondary versus Washington's, you know, personnel group. So it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Um, but moving on to NFL here, we got a full week eight, week 18 slate. We get teams always interesting because you have some teams that are playing for a lot and you have some teams that are playing for nothing. And it doesn't matter if they win or lose, nothing changes, but maybe their draft position. But then again, it's not relevant at that point. Um, NFL records Brady has the five game lead right now um, so a lot can change obviously we have you know 16 games this week and then 13 total playoff games uh, so a lot can change you know five or five game lead um, yeah it should come down to the wire looking forward to it um, the way the NFL week 18 works is they don't come out with game times until the week of so these games were announced sunday night uh we have two games on saturday both with implications and then the rest are on sunday with a sunday night game to decide a division um we'll get to these real quick though not gonna spend too much time on them the first saturday game is at 3 30 uh, central espn steelers at ravens so if the steelers win and either the bills or the jaguars lose then the steelers are in as a wild card team the Ravens playing at home. They already clinched the top seed, so they're going to rest some guys. I don't know how many they're going to rest. I don't know who's going to play how much time. They haven't come out with anything this week, obviously um, preserving the, that competitive advantage um, over the Steelers as, you know, obviously they want to beat a rival. Um, I'm going to go with the Steelers to win it. 
They're fair by three and a half. I don't think there's going to be a lot of Ravens that play in this game. I'm going to pick the Ravens to lose by three or less, though. Um, and if the Ravens starters or, you know, important key guys play more than the first quarter, I'm probably going to pick the Ravens. But a conditional pick here that right now I'm leaning with the Steelers. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Steelers as well. Same caveat that Brett has for the most part. I mean, if, if the Ravens don't, if they play their starters more than a half, I think they get a win. Um, if the Steelers, I, I don't think they're going to. So I think the Steelers get a win. They need a win. When Mike Tomlin needs a win, he gets a win. Um, so I think Steelers win. I think they cover the three and a half at this point. So three and a half points. Teams resting their starters. I think they get. I think they cover it. Popcorn matchup on this one. Again, teams not playing the starters. We kind of had to look for some stuff. Go with Mike Tomlin versus J- versus John Harbaugh. Um, well, who, what I think are two top five coaches, top ten coaches in the NFL. Um, I think two underappreciated coaches in the NFL. I think people, because neither of them call plays, they overlook what they do. Um, I know Mike Tomlin's like a defensive guy, and he has a lot of influence on the defense, but like he didn't call the defense. And John Harbaugh is a special teams coordinator background, if you will. Not I, I, He was a defensive coach for a long time, um, was a special teams coordinator, became a head coach. Doesn't call anything, right? So like I think these guys, both because of that, get overlooked in what they do. Um, I think John Harbaugh, especially a lot of people know how good Mike Tomlin is and talk, people talk about it all the time. Um, something he's underappreciated. But I think John Harbaugh gets underappreciated a lot. I think, I mean, my take is that like the Ravens are never hardly ever blown out. Like they, they should have won a playoff game with Tyler Huntley at quarterback against a Joe Burrow quarterback Bengals team. That doesn't happen. Like that, that's a reflection of coaching. Like that, that hundred percent a reflection of coaching to me. So, um, I'm a, big, I'm a big John Harbaugh fan. I think he's um, always has his guys ready to go. As someone whose team has gone through the coaching carousel every three or four years, the last literally as long as I've been alive, it feels like, as long as I've really been a football fan, like from the North Turner days, they've been cycling through head coaches. John Harbaugh is the epitome of what I wanted a head coach. And maybe that's maybe we get his brother, and that's what we get, right? But, like, he's stability. They're always competitive. Like, that's what I want in a head coach. So – um, I think for new new head coaches like John Harbaugh, John McVay, those guys are the model of like what to do. Competitive, they're always in games, have their guys ready to go. Obviously, he's not a play caller, but the guy always has teams ready. Um, and Mike Tomlin's, like I said, one of the best. He's one of the greatest of all time, I think. So it should be a good matchup between, co- between the coaches. We'll see um, how many of the Ravens guys play. I know John has rested guys in the past, so um, we'll see what happens there. But it should be a good matchup. Um, nevertheless, always a, always a feisty competitive game between these two teams and bitter rivals. Um, I think one of the better rivalries in the NFL, um, I would say maybe the best um, up there with some of the NFC East teams. Obviously, Bears-Packers this weekend is going to be a great one, too, but um, certainly going to be a good matchup in the rivalry game here. Other Saturday game, this is the Saturday evening game, uh, as it should be. Texans at Colts, winner plus a Jags loss, clinches the playoffs and clinches the AFC South. Um, Houston's favored by one on the road here. I'm going to take Texans to win, Texans to cover. Um, they're gonna need it, and I think I think well, I think when it comes down to it, I think Demico Ryan's is gonna outcoach Shane Steichen in kind of the the head coach matchup with defensive play caller versus offensive play caller. Um, and I, I think if if CJ plays, he's fully healthy. I think they get it done because they have the quarterback advantage over Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I agree. The Texans win, Jags lost, and the Texans are that four seed. So a lot can still go down. Um, you know, obviously the Colts being at home, they could win it and take care of business them, themselves. Um, the Colts beat the Texans in Houston earlier, I think in like week three or something, week two. Um, 
But yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be a good game, but I think the Texans are gonna come out with a win and cover that one point spread. Stingley versus Pittman should be really good. Um, two young guys, you know, Pittman's been banged out the past few weeks with that head injury. But I still think it's gonna be a really good matchup. You look at uh, what Stingley's done this year. He's had a great year, uh, bouncing back, and he's been ball productive. He's you know just been a really good cover guy across the board for them. Um, in part. You know, a big reason of why the Texans have taken a good step forward this year. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Texans. I think I think it should be close, but I'm, I think the Texans will come out with a win in the end. Next came up, the Sunday noon slate, uh, as we're getting to that here. Bucks at Panthers, NFC South matchup. If Tampa Bay wins it, they win the NFC South title and will host um, probably the Eagles, crazy enough, <laughs> in the wild card around. Um, Tampa Bay's fared by five and a half in Carolina. I'm going to go with the Bucks to win and cover. I don't think it's going to be that close, especially with all the Bucks, all that the Bucks have to play for. Um, you know, looks like for a second consecutive year, the Bucks are going to win uh, what's the worst division in football by a wide margin. Um, it really is. It's so I mean, bad. it's the fact that all really three of the four teams have had a division lead at some point in the last like month, and they're all like 500 at best is just really rough and i think there definitely needs to be some realignment um not quite to the degree that we see in college football but you know maybe swapping around some of these teams from conferences from divisions making it a little more even at least for the time being now granted teams are always going to you know they're not always going to be the same level of competitiveness but i ain't mixing up some teams to where we don't have four bad teams in one division would be nice um that's besides the point for this episode i think the Bucks win it here and get that four seed, and uh, like I said, host the Eagles next week. Bucks win, Bucks cover, Bucks win the division, and we get a mirror matchup of Jalen Hurts' first playoff game. When the Eagles won that god awful NFC East that year, Dak was hurt, Giants were terrible, Commanders were terrible. The Eagles won. They hosted those Tom Brady Bucks who ended up losing to the Rams, the NFC in the NFC Championship game. Remember that? Yeah. Get yep. the mirror matchup. Um, I do think the road team still wins that game. I think the Eagles would win, but you know what? Maybe the Eagles wouldn't win. Like I don't know. Yeah, they're broken. <laughs> I really Listen, don't know. We'll, we'll get into the Eagles a little bit. Um, yeah, Bucks win. Bucks cover. Uh, popcorn matchup here. Going with Bucks safety Antoine Whitfield Jr. Uh, Winfield Jr. One of the best safeties in the NFL. I think probably top ten for sure. Um, kind of where you place him there is kind of up to you. Um, versus. Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young. Bryce looking to finish the season strong. Had a decent game last week. I know the offense sputtered a lot, um, but like kind of a game where don't watch the box score, watch the tape for him. Um, God, that offense is terrible. Um, he has no help. It's awful. <laughs> um, but I think this is a good matchup. Winfield's going to play kind of deep. In the, he's going to play everywhere in the slot, in the kind of in the box, deep. Um, kind of see how he. Matches up with Bryce Young. Obviously, Bryce has had some struggles with with really good safeties this year, namely Jesse Bates. They got him a couple times. So, um, kind of curious to see how he handles another really good safety in Whitfield Jr. Again, a different player than Jesse than Jesse Bates is, but um, certainly going to be a good matchup here. Kind of between one of the best safeties in the NFL and rookie quarterback looking to get uh, kind of finish his rookie year on a, on a high note and what's been a, a season of lows for him and that team. Um, Browns at Bengals is the next one here. Since he favored by six at home. Um, we're going to play, I don't even say spoiler, like, cause both these teams are kind of locked in where they are. Um, Browns are locked in at the five seed Bengals are eliminated. So 
kind of a draft position game for the Bengals, if you will. I think they win. I think they cover. Um, I don't think the Browns are going to play a single starter this week. Um, so popcorn matchup is tough. But again, I don't, you know, bang Bengals win just because starters aren't playing for the Browns. And I think the Bengals have a lot of pride and want to win a game. So I mean, the Bengals to win. Bengals to cover at home. Yeah, I think when you look at it, um, one of the few games that doesn't have any implications this week, like you said, I think the Bengals are going to win it at home, close out the year. I want the Bengals to win, um, you know, give them a slightly worse draft pick. But at the end of the day, like you said, Browns probably won't be playing a ton of guys. Um, you know, Denzel Ward versus Jamar Chase should be a good matchup to look for. If Denzel Ward plays, like we said, we don't really know who is going to play and who's not going to play. So we'll, we'll have to wait to see when the inactives come out. Um before finalizing these picks but uh it should be a good one i'm hoping it's a good one um yeah and hoping hoping for Bengals win at the end of the day vikings at lions a big nfc north matchup minnesota can still get in the playoffs they need to win they need a green bay loss a seattle loss and then either tampa bay or new orleans to lose for them to get in the playoffs um Detroit's fared by three at home. They still have seeding to play for. Um, the Lions do. So I'm going with the Lions to win and cover. I think it's going to be close early on, but I think the fourth quarter Lions will play well, um, tighten up, and get the win at home. And I think that'll put them at the three seed, if I'm not mistaken, um, if they can win this one. I think you're right. I, th- I think if they win, uh, they locked into the three seed. I think they are. I think they're if they win, they're locked in. I was gonna say they. Is there a chance they can get to the two? I gotta look. I think um, they. I think they can get to the two if they win and the Cowboys lose. Okay. Well, they and probably the Eagles, need the Eagles lose. to lose too. Yeah. yeah. So they probably need a couple things. I'm looking right now. Um, I mean, the Cowboys aren't losing, so. Fair. Yeah, they're not gonna lose. Um, that's that's probably a fair assumption. Um. Yeah. So. They're locked, probably locked in at three. I know I don't think can they they can't fall the four, so they're locked in at three for the most part. Um, I still think Dan Campbell's going to play his starters and they kind of again they're going to play because they, they they can get to two if they if it's possible. So, um, Lions win, Lions cover. Um, I hope that they get the three and that the Rams get the six to set up for the golf versus Stafford in Detroit game. It'd be kind of be kind of sick. Um, so yeah, Lions win, Lions cover. Uh, popcorn matchup here going to be Christian Darrisaw, the Vikings left tackle versus. Lions second year edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson, um, not been super sack productive, but uber uber pressure and hurries productive this year for Hutch. Um, I believe he's number two in the NFL in hurries right now, or number three something like that. And then I think he's top five in pressures. So um, sack numbers maybe not been there, but the pressures have been there. I prefer pressures and, and hurries and pass pass rush win rate as a as kind of an indicator of success as opposed to sacks. I mean, we saw Vic Beasley lead the NFL in sacks one year and. He's not in the NFL anymore, and that was a couple years ago. So, um, sacks maybe not the best indicator of of, of success um, as opposed to holistic play. I think he's a great run defender as well. So, should be a great matchup. Um, Darius saw one of the best left tackles in football. Hutch, um, young up and coming star, edge rusher. So, certainly gonna be a good matchup there. Next one here: Jets at Pats. New England favored by two and a half um, between these two bottom dwellers in the AFC East, which is weird to say about the Pats, but. Um, and the Pats win, Pats cover. They've looked coherent and co- very, like, alive, if you will, the last couple of weeks. Um, and the Jets don't. Uh, let's put that lightly. They look awful. They should have lost that game against the Commanders, but they didn't because the Commanders' tank is harder than the Jets' tank. So 
Um, I do think the Patriots get a win. It would kill them in the draft for quarterback positioning, but I think they get a win. I think Bill cares. I think Bill wants to get a win. Um, I think the Jets have nothing offensively right now. So, yeah, give me the pass to win, pass to cover. Yeah, the ultimate uh, interdivision tank off here. I think at the end of the day, um, I think the Patriots win as well at home. You know, could be Bill Belichick's final game. I just don't see how they lose to the Jets, who is their quarterback. <laughs> I don't even know who their backup is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it should be it should be close early on. But I mean, if you have this game on the TV, you must have every game on the TV. So. Um, right. I don't think it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, if draft position is your kind of thing, or if you're a Jets fan or a Patriots fan, maybe check it out, see how close this one is. I think it could be close, obviously a two and a half point spread, but I'm going with the Patriots. Don't know all the guys that are injured in this game, but it's a lot of guys. So, um, no popcorn matchup for that one, other than it might be Bill Belichick's final game as the Patriots head coach. Moving on here to a big game um, between still not very great teams in the NFC South this time. Falcons at Saints in New Orleans. Um, the site of the Sugar Bowl that just hosted UT in Washington. Um, this is an interesting game here. Obviously, these two teams face off twice each year. Um, the winner of this game will win the division as long as Tampa Bay loses to Carolina, which really doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like these two teams are playing for much. New Orleans is favored by three. I'm going to go with the Saints to win this one, but I'll land Atlanta to cover. I think this will be a close one down the stretch. Um, but I think the Saints get it done at home to close out the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Falcons to win. Um, Falcons to cover the three, obviously. I'm just going to stick with my with my preseason pick on the division to win this game. Um, Heineke actually looked decent last week. At quarterback, shockingly enough, looked better than I, I mean, better than Ritter, and better than I would have thought he would have looked. Um, and the Saints, I mean, to me, the Saints look awful right now. I, I don't really know what their identity is. They're bit, they've been banged up offensively. They had a couple of games to put together with Derek Carr, and it's just, it's been awful. I mean, I've, I'm not a big Derek Carr fan. Um, obviously, I like him a little more than his all the Raiders, but I mean, he's look, he looked actually looked really good earlier in the year, and he looks freaking terrible right now it looks awful so i just i don't see how they can get a win against this falcons team um this week it's gonna be a good one though in new orleans this is a game i'm probably gonna have on the tv for sure in the in the, in the kind of in the morning window um probably trying to have the quad box going i'll be back in lubbock so i'll be able to get the uh the multi-view going on my on my tv so uh, probably have this game is one of them um yeah give me the falcons to win Popcorn matchup here. Going to go with Bijan Robinson, Falcons rookie running back, versus Saints veteran linebacker Demario Davis. Um, these guys are going to match up, I think, a bunch, in the, in the, especially in the passing game. Um, again, Arthur Smith been reluctant to hand the ball off to his you know, number eight overall pick running back. Uh, nevertheless, they're throwing the ball to him a decent amount, especially as of late. So um, I expect to see Bijan out in open space with Demario Davis, one of the more sure tackles in the NFL versus I think one of the guys is one of the harder guys to bring down in the NFL, kind of an open space. So should be a good one there. Um, yeah, next matchup here, Jags at Titans. Jags win, uh, and they get the AFC, AFC South title. Um, kind of a, a matchup reminiscent of last year's game, Sunday Night Football, uh, Jags versus Titans uh, for the AFC South division in a playoff spot. So um, I think the Titans get the revenge, though, this year. This, uh, this, uh, this is one of my upset picks this week. 
Um, and Tennessee covers the five. I think Vrabes is going to have his guys up, ready to play. It's a revenge game. I think if they 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 need to lose this game for draft position. But listen, Vrabes wants to get that dub, baby. Vrabes wants to get that dub. I know he does. I know he wants to get that dub. He wants to avenge last year's loss. He wants to stick it to to Doug Peterson, and I think he gets a win here. So here's here was my note. I told Brett I was gonna like, hey, let me ask him before we start. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna hold off and we'll talk about it on the pod because I think it'd be a great discussion. What does Doug Peterson's future look like if the Titans win and the Jags don't make the playoffs? I think I think they would keep him, just given that I think con- continuity with a rookie quarter or a rookie contract quarterback would be huge. Um, in terms of building that team that, you know, and dealt they, with some injuries this year. And they got to pay him, right? So they, they right. that's another thing that goes into, you want, you got to pay him. So this off season, I think, I think they would hold on to him. I just don't know if they want to risk going to the market and trying to find a better option while breaking all that continuity, likely bringing in a lot of new positional coaches and coordinators. I just, I could be too tough and wouldn't make the most sense for them to do that. I, I'm not saying I don't see it happening at all, but um. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised if they went in a different direction. I don't disagree with you. I, I I'm 100% with you. I think Doug getting fired two years in after taking the team to the playoffs last year, um, winning a playoff game in epic fashion, and then playing a competitive game against the Chiefs, albeit with a banged up Patrick Mahomes, they were competitive in that game. So I think it would be a mistake. I think it would be a huge jumping of the gun by the Cod family, but. The Con family has done this kind of thing in the past, right? I mean, they've been impatient. So um, I don't think it happens either. I just thought, you know, do they have this, this this massive disappointment, especially this this massive collapse in the second half of the year? Does this kind of push them to fire Doug? I won't say reset, but kind of get a reset with Trevor Lawrence likely getting a contract this offseason, which I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna match what kind of the, the big four got this offseason with Hertz, Lamar. Herbert Burrow in order. I don't think that's going to happen. I like I, the play hasn't been there, right? Like the rookie year, throw it out. That's fine. Urban Meyer, worst coaching hire literally ever in the NFL. I think that's very, very, very fair to say. Worse than the Matt Rule train wreck in Carolina. I don't blame Matt Rule for that. I blame Dave Tepper and his drink throwing self. Um, no, I like it just you look at last year, like. You saw flashes in the back half of the year, and you saw flashes in the front half of this year, but it's been inconsistent, whereas opposed to with Herbert, Burrow, Lamar obviously winning an MVP and going to win another one this year, and then Hurts. Like, you've seen MV, sustained MVP-level play from at least for a full season with those guys, right? You saw it in 2021 with Justin Herbert. You saw it in 2021 with Joe Burrow. Even last year with Burrow to an extent. You saw it with Jalen last year, and you saw it with Lamar winning a unanimous MVP. Those guys had reason to get paid like that. I don't think other than potential and an upside, unrealized upside, we haven't seen that with Trevor. So do they try and hit the hard reset with Doug and they go, just listen, you, you provided some stability. We want to move on. Do they make the run at Ben Johnson? I don't know. Right. Um, and we'll talk maybe we'll talk a little bit more coaching stuff. If we have if time permits here, we'll get to the Chargers stuff because there was an article talking about the Chargers coaching coaching search here that Jeremy Fowler put out uh, just as we were recording. But um, I think for time's sake, before we skip it and talk about it next week, but uh, nevertheless, like I, I think it'd be a mistake too. I just, it wouldn't shock me if the Khan family was a little bit, 
you know, early on, on that, on that firing. But it's, it's just wanted to throw it out there. I've seen some rumblings right. of it, people talking about it. Um, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, I think it would be really, it would be a top storyline. I think this off season, if the Jags opening was one that needed to be filled, I just think when you look at what Doug Peterson has done over his career, it'd be crazy to, you know, get rid of him in year two. But I, I don't think they will because I have them winning this week and have them winning the division. Uh, going on the road, I know they really haven't played great the past, what, month or so. Um, you know, kind of giving that division up after they pretty much had it locked down. I mean, three weeks ago, we were talking about them fighting for the one seed. And now they're fighting for their playoffs. So that's just how crazy that and how close the AFC has been this year. Um, but I'm going with the Jags to win it on the road in Nashville. Um, popcorn matchup with Brandon Scherf versus Jeff Simmons. Um, interior matchup here. We see it twice a year. Should be a good one. Um, you know, the Jags left guard, Ezra Cleveland, um, could also be matched up on Jeff Simmons. So um, either way, probably going to be a good matchup every snap for Simmons. Uh, one of the better interior defensive linemen, um, you know, across the league. I don't know really what other matchups in this one we could look at. It's primarily um, in the trenches, I think, across the board. Outside of that, there's not a whole lot to it. But I expect a close game here. Jags might win by seven, but um, but yeah, I'm picking them to win it, win the division. Moving on here, NFC West matchup: Seahawks at Cardinals. Uh, so the Seahawks can still get in with a win and a Packers loss, similar to last year, in which them, the Packers, and the Lions were kind of in this. Um, you know, each team had implications on the other team in terms of getting in. Ultimately. Um, the Lions got in, so some crazy scenarios here again this week. Um, but for the Seahawks, I mean, as long as Green Bay loses and you win, you're in. Seahawks fair by two and a half. Going with the Seahawks to win and cover, um, but not get in as I have the Packers winning as well. I think this game is going to be another one down on the wire. I mean, like we see in Week 18, all division matchups um, with a lot of implications. So this one... Um, you know, I think the Seahawks get it done, but they still don't get in the playoffs. And what just was an insane collapse at the end of the year started five and two. Um, you know, they were pushing the Niners for that division lead halfway through the season. And then they've lost six of nine and they're just completely taking themselves out of it. Um, likely due to a lack of leadership across the board, I think, in that, you know, in that locker room. Um, and, you know, I mean, they don't have a ton of talent. We, you know, we talk about them being good and a solid team and really well coached. But at the end of the day, they don't have a ton of talent on that team. They have some good players. They have some guys that are going to be freaks in the future, I think. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have a ton of dudes on that team that can be difference makers and win you games and will you to the playoffs and stuff like that. And that's what we're seeing here. So I think they're going to get the win, you know, win by seven on the road. But I don't think it's going to be enough to get them in. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Um, yeah, it, it's um, the situation interesting, like you said. Um, seems like a lot of talent, but at the end of the day, what has it done for you? Um, next one here, Cardinals, Seahawks. Um, I think Seahawks get a win. They need they need to get a win to to get in the playoffs. I know Cardinals won last week against Philly, um, but I. Cut. 
I'm trying to gather my thoughts because I, I don't want to misspeak on Philadelphia. They're, they are super close to being a nightmare right now. I know they've lost a bunch of games in a row. They're almost a train wreck. Just given the way the defense has played and the way they've handled it has been awful. Um, I don't think anyone's getting fired at the head coaching position this year, but what happened last week is not great. I think both coordinators are gone. Back to the Cardinals, I think that win last week is more of an indictment upon Philly and less of a, a statement about the Cardinals. I think that was also a Jonathan Gannon game. Whatever you want to say, Seahawks get a win. They're favored by two and a half on the road. I think they get a win. They need the win um, to get in the playoffs. So I'll, I'll take them to win and, uh, and cover the two and a half. I mean, I hope it's close at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, Seahawks should win this one. Packers are going to win too, I think. So it'll be tough, but nonetheless, a lot could happen. Yeah. Um, Witherspoon versus Marquise Brown should be a good matchup here. One of the few good matchups, I think. You could look at James Conner and Bobby Wagner. Um, but there's a lot of good matchups. You know, I take that back. Not a lot of good matchups. I was looking at a different thing. Not a <laughs> lot of great matchups in this one. Um, you know, two that we talked about right there, but outside of that, not great. Um, you look at Arizona's defense and Seattle's offense. Not really much, considering Arizona really only has Buda Baker on that side. Yeah. Um, in terms of true difference makers, but even then, um, I think Witherspoon versus Marquise will be solid. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with Marquise Brown. Um, you know, this is his fifth year option. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what he commands in the open market. A really uh, weird start to his career, I think. Whenever you're traded on a rookie contract. Um, you know, go to a new offense, then you deal with injuries in Arizona with to Kyler and stuff like that. It's going to be interesting to see how that contract negotiation uh, plays out throughout the course of free agency and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, should be a good matchup between those two. Witherspoon's had a great rookie year. Moving on here, staying in the NFC, Ooh, though. Real, real, real quick on, on that. I know it wasn't official, but Cardinals uh, just announced that tackle DJ Humphreys, their starting left tackle, blew an ACL is done for the season. Obviously, it's one game, but um that was speculation i just wanted to get that on here that that just that just broke um it's tough but i'll let you get back to what you're getting at with the next game here yeah i mean we never knew what humphreys i mean we figured it would be aca but we didn't really yeah. know um until the mri so i mean that's that sucks because similar to kyler last year he's gonna end up missing some of 2024 season but yeah and, I uh, think the first bit yeah it's tough. yeah so it's interesting to see how they kind of navigate around that but uh Moving on to an NFC North matchup with huge implications. Bears at Packers. Packers playing at Lambeau Field. Huge rivalry game once again. Uh, should be a close one. Not to the degree that it used to be, but, um, you know, Green Bay win and you're in after they beat the Vikings on Sunday Night Football in, or excuse me, Sunday Night Football um, yeah. in Minnesota. You know, they beat them pretty good. I think... Packers come away with this one. Um, Green Bay is fair by three. I think they win by more than three. Um, you know, if you want to see them up close, there's a house that has a side yard right next to Lambeau Field. It is for sale. Um, I've seen it on Twitter. It's, you know, not the best house, but they got a pool. They got literally your backyard. You can stare at Lambeau Field and I'm sure get in somehow. It would be a great um, watch party location, but could you? That's, could you potentially squirrel suit dive in? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it like, do you have the elevation Possibly. to do that? Okay. I like this plan. You'd have to, I believe it's slightly higher than Lambeau field, 
in terms of the ground level, but it's pretty even. So you might have to you might have to get a little um little parachute parachute drop in, but uh could right. could sneak in through the doors either also. So um I'm sure I'm sure what you could do is you know all these people walking right right through your front yard to go to the game to get in line. You just ask someone if they want to you know hang at your house and have some festivities for the game and you get their tickets and go in and you probably go in for free every week just by getting up your house for four hours. So obviously there's some complications to that, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I just thought I'd throw that in. Um, one of the coolest views from a backyard that I've ever seen is Lambeau field in its entirety. Um, yeah, just crazy. Um, but yeah, going back to football, uh, the matchup here, Packers bears, I think at the end of the day, I think that I don't know. I don't think the Bears will be able to do enough in Lambeau. I assume a snowy game um, to some extent to get the win. I know, you know, Justin Fields has played fairly well the past couple of weeks, but I think the Packers are, you know, obviously they're out to play for some. They control their own destiny. You win and you get a playoff game, likely, excuse me, likely in um, Dallas or, uh, or Detroit, probably, so probably Dallas. Yeah, right. But I think they're winning and getting in here. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping for a close game with all these divisional matchups. That's got to be the second best view from a from a from a from a living space of a, of a sporting event. Does not top the sweet life of Zach and Cody view from Maddie's apartment of Fenway Field. Those who remember <laughs> will know. It was um, Ashley Tisdale plays a uh, character named Maddie on the show, and she lives in this apartment. And I don't know wh- how she li- – like, she's, the narrative is, like, she's, like, kind of poor, right? But, like, she lives in this apartment. It's got, like, this view of Fenway Park, and, like, you can, like, catch home run balls from her, like, window, which, like, doesn't make any sense. That would just, would be super expensive. But nonetheless, it's still funny. Um, definitely better than the Lambeau Field view, but – um, I'll also ignore the logistics on giving up the giving up the crib for, for four <laughs> hours and just roll. You have to leave um, a couple of people there, but uh, um, yeah, <laughs> I love the idea. Frankly, that's innovative innovation that excites, brother. I'm with that. Um, I think I think the, I think the Bears get a win this week. I think they play spoiler. Um, they've already got a pick locked up in number one. They've got I've got a high quality pick. I think Justin Fields again, like we saw last week, is playing for his job. And his career in, in Chicago and is doing well. He played well last week. So um, I think this is a game where Matt Eberflus will probably coaching for his job, potentially. If they go into Lambeau and they get a win play spoiler, they can't fire him. They, they, he's staying. So um, I think this team's got a lot to play for this week. I know they're, not, they're out of the playoffs. They have a lot to play for, though, I think. And they, I think, are going to get up for this game. They want to they want to go into Lambeau and beat a rival. So I'm um, giving the Bears get an upset win this week. Um, popcorn matchup here. Bears receiver DJ Moore versus Packers corner, fresh off the suspension of one game. Jair Alexander, um, self-proclaimed team captain against Carolina. Um, yeah, it should be a good one. Two, two top-flight veteran veteran receivers and corners here um, should be good. Next one here, Chiefs at Chargers. Chargers favored by three at home, uh, presuming that you know Casey's going to rest a bunch of their starters like they always do, locked in at the three seed. Uh, I think the Chiefs win, Chiefs cover. Um, I'll get to the popcorn matchup real quick, just because this is the one that one that I put down because we didn't have one here. This is Giff Smith versus Draft Position, brother. This is 
This is does Gift Smith understand the assignment? Does he understand the assignment? Does he know that they need to lose this game? We're gonna find out. I because they because they need to, frankly, like they gotta lose this game. So we're gonna see if Gift gets it done. This is another game that's gonna be a conditional pick, I think, with Chargers fared by three at home. I think the Chiefs. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs for now. I don't think that the Chargers are gonna win unless the Chiefs rest like certain guys, which you know it have to be like Mahomes, Kelsey, really everybody, yeah, just those two. But I think at the end of the day, it's I think they do understand understand the assignment. Um, I think they still um, you know have that in mind, and I think. Obviously, you're playing for draft position. I think you can't really afford to win this game. It's not going to do you any good um, other than some bragging rights if the Chiefs sit guys. But um, I don't think the Chiefs have any seeding to play for. Um, I think they're locked into the four seed. So three three seed. Yeah. Um, It's going to be an interesting one. I think. It should be a really close one again, uh, just in terms of you know matchups and guys who are opting out and stuff like that. Um, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs for now, unless they sit some major players. Um, staying in the division though, um, Broncos at Raiders. Raiders are fared by two and a half in Vegas. Going with the Raiders to win in cover. I just think um, you know the Broncos with their whole Russell Wilson situation. Uh, the Raiders have looked good with Antonio Pierce. I think. They're in a good position to win this game, and I don't really think they care too much about draft position either. Um, so I think they're going to win this one by seven to ten. Um, just and the season's strong. Uh, you know, they they have some stars on that team, no doubt, but uh, they need some more guys to be competitive, and I think they could next year. I think they could, you know, push for a playoff spot next year. We saw them, you know, almost do it this year with everything that's gone down. So I think they'll be one of those competitive teams next year. Um, you know, pushing for the division early on and then I think falling out of the race, but uh but making a wild card spot. So see how that goes. Um but yeah, I'm picking the Raiders to win this one over the Broncos. I'm with you. Raiders win Raiders cover. Um Broncos are a mess. Um I know they won last week was the Chargers, but it was closer than it should have been. Um Stidham starting again this week. So it is a train wreck in Denver. Um popcorn matchup though. The bright spot for both of these teams here, uh, CB1 in the NFL, firmly, I think. Uh, Broncos corner Pat Sertan versus uh, top flight wide receiver Devontae Adams for the Raiders. I don't know where he lands, kind of, if I had to sit down and do a ranking, he's probably still top five, um, still one of the best in the game. Should be an awesome matchup here between, again, two best of the best here. So looking forward to that one. Uh, next one here, Eagles at Giants. Philly wins plus a Dallas loss. Clinches them the division. Philly favored by five on the road here. Eagles win. Eagles cover. Um, I'd love for the Giants to get a win. That'd be great, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think the Eagles get a win. They need the win. They need to get kind of a get-right game. So give me the Eagles to win. Eagles to cover. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think they're going to win it. I think even if the Cowboys lose, they'll win the division because I don't think – or excuse me. Even if the Eagles win, they won't win the division because I think the Cowboys will win as well. Um, but like you said, the Eagles need a win here, regardless of seeding anything. They just need a win to get right. They can't go on the, in the playoffs on the run they've had without a win. So Eagles win by more than five. Um, big matchup here, another interior matchup. Jason Kelsey versus Dexter Lawrence. I think 
you know, two really good players. You know, I don't know what Kelsey's going to do, um, you know, contract-wise, retirement-wise. Dexter Lawrence has been really solid, uh, one of the few bright spots for that Giants team this year. Um, just been super consistent. So going with the Eagles to win that one, um, but still end up as the uh, five seed there and traveling to Tampa Bay. Next matchup here, Rams at 49ers. The Rams, if they win, they're in. Uh, the Niners fared by three and a half. I don't know. This is going to be another conditional pick. Um, I, I think I have three conditional picks here that I'll finalize before the games kick off on Sunday. However, um, I don't know who the Niners are going to rest. The Niners haven't looked great. I mean, they had like a five-game stretch where they looked incredible. Outside of that, you know, they haven't looked great. They had some injuries. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be wanting to win here. Granted that they have, given that they had nothing to play for, um, Rams winning in. I think I'm going to go with the Niners unless they, another scenario, I'm going to go with the Niners unless they sit some big name guys, you know, McCaffrey, um, Debo, stuff like that. I, I don't think the Rams will be able to win it and get in um, if the Rams or if the Niners are playing most of their guys. So, Sticking with the Niners for now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still think it's going to be a close game and come down to the you know, final five, ten minutes or so. I just think that uh, the Rams have too much talent. Or Niners. Uh, I'm going to go Rams win, Rams cover, uh, three and a half. I think the Niners are going to rest a bunch of their players. The Rams got to win to get in. They're going to be playing their guys. Um, or no, they clinched the Rams bar. The Rams are already in that said, I think they do need to win this game for seeding. I don't think they want to go to the, to, to Dallas and play them. Um, so they want to play, they want to play Detroit. Um, so give me the Rams to win Rams to cover. Again, I, th- I think the Niners are going to sit a bunch of their guys. So, um, I know CMT's already been ruled out. I assume Kittle doesn't really play. I don't think, I don't think many of their guys play after the first quarter probably. So give me the uh, Rams to win against the Niners backups for most of the game. Uh, popcorn matchup here, Cooper cup. Rams receiver versus Niners corner. Charvarius Ward, um, been one of the best, uh, I guess kind of the best, uh, I want to say bargain deals, but like one of the best contracts in the NFL is his corner contract for them. His for agent contract he signed in 2021, a uh, three-year deal, I believe. The guy's been absolutely money for them, three or four-year deal. So um, he's been awesome. Uh, certainly been a CB1 for them. Obviously, Cooper Cup, still the man. So should be a good matchup there. Next one here, Cowboys at Commanders. Cowboys win, and they win the a- NFC East. Dallas favored by 13 on the road. Cowboys win, Commanders cover. I think the Cowboys end up pulling their starters late in the game, and the, the Commanders maybe scrape by with a, a garbage-time field goal or a touchdown and keep the game uh, within 13. But in the, I think Cowboys get a win here and clinch the division. Yeah, I agree. I think they win by less than 13, however, a win, um, which is all they need. And... Popcorn matchup we have here, uh, Deron Bland versus Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin coming off a big game, um, which he had a touchdown against the 49ers. And then Deron Bland leads the league with eight interceptions. He hasn't been great in coverage this year. He's just been ball productive, honestly. Um, but nonetheless, um, as I said, has played fairly consistently in terms of being the right place, right time, um, sticking with coverages, I think. This should be a good matchup. Him, Gilmore, whoever's on McLaurin. Uh, McLaurin's one of the few bright spots, nonetheless. A really good player for Washington. And then a uh, final matchup, biggest matchup of the week, um, Sunday Night Football, Bills at Dolphins. Dolphins have four of their final five games at home, the lone road game. They got blown out by the Ravens this past Sunday. Um, the winner of this game will take the AFC East, whereas um, the Dolphins have already clinched a playoff berth. Um, 
Buffalo is favored by three in Miami. If the Bills lose this, there's still a shot that they don't make the playoffs um, with the results of the Steelers game and stuff like that. But um, I'm going with the Bills to win it. I think they win this game. They win the division. They get the two seed. Uh, Fared by three. I don't think they're going to lose by less than or win by less than three just with how um, high scoring both these offenses are. I doubt it'll be that close. But I still think it'll be a close game within 10. Um, but I'm picking the Bills to win it on the road and the Dolphins, um, you know, getting that wild card spot with two back to back, you know, not great performances to close out the year. Bills win, Bills cover on the road. Um, boils, for me, it boils down to the fact that Josh Allen's been on an absolute heater the last four weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's I, really that's it to me. I, I think he's been um, he's carried them to where they are. This Bills defense is depleted. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think the Bills win. Bills cover. Um, should be a great game though. This is the this is the rightfully the Sunday night game, uh, popcorn matchup here. Guy who's despite Josh Allen's success the last down the stretch kind of disappeared lately is Stephon Diggs versus Jalen Ramsey. The two guys maybe past their prime, but uh, once top their atop the NFL at their position. So looking for they need Diggs this week. They're gonna need him to come up big at some point. Um, he's been Josh Allen's go-to guy in the past when they need a play, they need a first down. Um, looking for Diggs to kind of bounce back and get right before the playoffs. Um, it wraps up all of our picks. We're going to do an ice bath, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I'll get mine first here. we got a cold seat fantasy football championship this week. In my fantasy football league, Brett and I made it to the championship. Actually, it's, so our, our ESPN league does a two-week playoff. Um, so first two weeks, so six, so weeks 15 and 16 as the first round, week 17 and 18 in the second round. So um, I think Brett's up like 30-ish points after last week. Um, projected to be a, a tight finish though. Projected to be like one like a like a ten point finish, I think. Um, yeah, projected to be close. So we'll see how that goes. Um, don't know. I mean, listen, last week I think Brett had like two or three guys that had monster games, and then nobody else really did anything. And then I had like nobody that really wanted to show up. So fantasy football is weird. The projections don't really matter. Um, like I said, I think it's like a thirty point game right now. So um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm. It's gonna be. Listen, all we know is someone on the pods getting money and going to win. Both of us are getting money. One of us is going to win. So the cold seat coming in with the hot takes to fantasy football, getting a dub. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it should be, should be exciting. I'm, I like fantasy football. I would rather Brett win and the Chargers get what they need to have happen to get a top six, top five or six pick. So I'll take real-life football over fantasy football every day of the week, although it's very fun. Um, anyway, that's it. It's been a fun, fun season. I'm glad if I'm, if I'm not going to win, it'll be Brett. So. Um, certainly happy to happy to have the championship be a little cold seat bragging rights deal if you if you if you will. So um, we'll see if uh, if Brett wins or if I win, but uh, should be should be fun nonetheless. Yeah, looking forward to it. I know um, I don't, I think I did like a separate fantasy or may have not done fantasy at all last season, but uh, yeah, I mean the two guys that do the podcast uh, are in the championship in uh, in the ten team uh, league or ten person league. Honestly, I mean, I'm eight and six. I mean, I didn't check my lineup like four weeks out of the year. I just these this past month or so, I've stayed on top of it, and I guess I had guys come through for me. I mean, uh, you look at what was it this past week? Lamar 37, James Conner 26, Jerome Ford 26, Laporta 15, my kicker 13. No one else did anything. So um, hopefully, I'll have a more balanced attack this week. Um, yeah, I got like a 30.4 uh, 
point lead right now. Um, so it's it's going to come down to the wire, I think. But uh, looking forward to it, obviously, with guys sitting and uh, not playing, not getting as many reps this week. It's going to make it more interesting. However, um, should be close. My col- or my ice bath is that I just can't wait to get into the draft stuff. Um, you know, I haven't really looked at much outside of just like watching some clips from games and stuff. I haven't really done anything on the scouting side, mainly because the Ravens have been playing well, and I don't really want to get into it during the season, especially as long as my team's playing. Now, once the Ravens are done, I'll get into it, you know, full on. But uh, I still want to, you know, get all the way into it while my team's still playing. Um, I mean, looking forward to it, though, nonetheless. I mean, can't wait to get into positional rankings. Um you know, we ma- we mapped it out. We're going to go through each position, all 11, like we did last year. We're going to do it not in order of offense, defense, offense, defense, but in order of the worst position groups to the best position groups to make it more exciting the closer we get to the draft. Capped by our six mock draft Mondays or so. Um, but we're going to start with the first episode. Uh, we'll launch that January 15th. Every Monday from January 15th to the draft, we'll have some kind of draft coverage, whether it's position rankings, mock drafts. We're going to rank the top five players, along with talk about three or so that didn't make the cut of the top five at two different positions. Um, those positions uh, we'll keep now. Uh, we're not, we won't say that right now, but uh, next week we'll, we'll tell you all what we got planned. Um, I'll yeah. start looking at guys probably in a few days here, um, kind of you know, a lot of guys to look at for these first couple of rankings as we're going through two position groups. Um, we're looking forward to it. Even in this first rankings, there's still great players. There's still going to be guys drafted in the first round. Um, it's still going to be a lot of fun to, you know, to look at, to break them down, to make the rankings and all of that. So really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to just the draft prep as a whole. I know, I, I know you've gotten started on it, but, uh, but I have not like I said, really done much. I'm just looking forward to getting into it. Lighter semester this year. Um, should be able to put more into it than I did last year. Um, but yeah, like I said, just across the board, really excited for this. And uh, there's a lot of great players in what's a loaded draft class. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I'll give it away now. Our final couple um, rankings, you know, receivers and quarterbacks, both loaded. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, really going through each week, building our rankings, changing our rankings, building our big boards, um, talking about, you know, the mocks, how we're going to do the mocks, a lot of fun and a lot of, um, interesting, um, kind of updated content coming to the podcast. So, um, stay tuned, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, man, it's going to be really good. Um, it's a, I've, I've gotten through, um, I actually already have a tentative. I've got a top eight big board right now. Um, obviously, I won't spoil it. Um, I do think the top – it's going to change. Obviously, there's a lot to change. Um, it's a really, really fun class, though. Um, I've watched a lot of guys kind of already at tackle of – just just for my own – kind of wanted to get a baseline for some of the guys that I'm going to want to watch a lot of outside of just the podcast prep um, for the Chargers. Watched a bunch of the receivers. Watched a bunch of the tackles. Um Watched uh, Johnny Newton of the Illinois, uh, Illinois interior defensive lineman. Um, he's great. Watched Brock Bowers already. So um, it's a really, really fun class at the top. And it's got some really good depth pieces, some really fun players to watch this year. Um, 
some guys where you you know you watch like I, I'll say this I was watching uh, Joe Alt and Olufashanu against Ohio State and it's hard to ignore how good JT two Maloa is I think I texted Brad I was like man JT is really good like he's really good um, so that's an example of like you're watching tape and you see these guys pop it's like man that guy's really really good so I'm super excited that I you know I've obviously gotten a head start a little bit on Brett just given kind of the, the vast uh, differences in the dichotomy between our two teams and their success this year. But nonetheless, um, been really, really fun. Um, it's going to be really fun to get into it. Like, like Brett said, lighter semester this year. Um, so super looking forward to getting into these guys. Obviously, it'll be really fun. I, you guys know, Brett, draft is my bread and butter. It's my favorite thing. Um, so, man, looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun offseason for us. Um, really, really fun to get some mock drafts going kind of after the combine. Um yeah, man, there's going to be some really fun teams. We may have to do like some team-specific episodes for some of them, too. Just given there's like the Bears are one of them, the Cardinals are one of them. There's some really fun exercises to do this offseason with these teams. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Brett's looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be awesome. So stay tuned for that. Like I said, like Brett said, we'll, we'll kind of talk on what our schedule is going to be. Next week, we have a lighter football episode, obviously. Um, way less playoff games, no college football to talk about. Obviously, we'll recap college football season. Um Maybe Brett and I will do like an All-American team. Um, we'll see. Maybe we'll draft an All-American team. Like we'll do like a, hey, like I get Caleb, you get Drake. Like, you you know, one person gets Marv, one person does You know what I mean? Um, kind of assemble some All-American teams um, against each other, which might be fun. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll text each other about it over the break. I know both of us getting back to Lubbock pretty soon. So getting back to our home setups, getting back into our, you know, home schedule. So, um, yeah, man, going to be great, though. I'm, I'm super, super pumped. I could not be more excited. Uh, for a draft class. I know I was excited about last year's, but man, this one, this one's special, some really special players in it. Um, it's going to be awesome. So stay tuned for it. Me, uh, so much draft content coming out of the cold seat podcast this year. Um, stay tuned for it. And I'll let Brett uh, give any closing remarks and we'll get out of here. Yeah. So for the pod, we'll have to figure out schedule wise, because, you know, obviously we're getting into draft stuff before the NFL season concludes. So in terms of Thursday turf talks getting switched into kind of the normal episodes, whereas Mondays are going to be the draft stuff. So we'll probably implement um, all of the like predictions and stuff that we have for the playoff games into our normal episode that we put out on Thursdays or so, so we can keep the Monday episodes um, to, to position rankings and stuff like that. So look for the starting in a couple weeks, the upcoming Thursday episodes will probably be, you know, NBA, NHL, golf, MLB updates, along with, you know, the playoff stuff. And then once the playoffs are over, obviously a few weeks later, we'll have MLB stuff and it should flow pretty smoothly, but we still have to figure out the scheduling of all of that. But yeah. Um, you know, we're 12 days away from the first positional rankings. Um, you know, I'm going to try not to wait, um, try to get on it here. Um, maybe a little bit today, uh, before I head out of town tomorrow, um, but definitely, you know, looking forward to these two positions that we're going to cover on Monday, January 15th. Like I said, starting from, you know, what we think is worst to best in terms of position groups. So not the best athletes, not the most valuable positions. However, still a lot of guys that can be difference makers at the next level and really looking forward to getting into all of that for y'all. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thursday Turf Talk, episode 20 here today. A little bit of a longer one, um, just in terms of everything we had to talk about, all the implications, um, you know, college football semi-recap and final or national championship preview. Um, but next week's episode probably probably be a little bit shorter as we just have the six wildcard games and, uh, and college football, you know, season recap. So thanks for tuning in. 
Follow us on X and Instagram at Cold Seat Podcast. And we should see you all next Tuesday uh, for a normal episode. Yeah, we'll see you guys then.